0: Welcome to the old school meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. We will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to dot .org for login information. And now our speaker. So what I was like? I've been in program for 31, almost 32 years, and I have 28 years, one day at a time of Back-to-back abstinence. I came into the program. And I was not a human being. And it's interesting that I have 18 minutes to share. Because 18 in Hebrew is chai. And chai is life. And that is what I've gotten in this program. You guys gave me a life beyond anything I ever could have thought of. So uh, I grew up in a middle class family i'm the middle child i have all the craziness of an older brother and a younger sister i always thought it was them and i kept pointing to them and the longer i'm here i realize it's really me there was a problem child in our household and it was me and i didn't realize it till i got here needless to say lots of amends to make to family um for the way that i was the best way I can define my family was when I went to make my amends to my parents about all the lying I had done and, uh, the way I had been and to, to make my amends and my apologies. My dad said to me with a straight face, since we always knew you were lying, when you were lying, I said, really? How could you tell? I thought I had a little twitch in my eye or something. He says, your lips were moving. And my first thought was busted. Because it was true. I never told the truth. You couldn't trust me for anything. I'm very happy to say, as far as I'm concerned today, if I say it, it's the truth. I can trust it. You can trust what I say. When I came in, I was eating one meal a day. I started in the morning with breakfast at home. I ate in my car on the way to work. I was at the candy machine constantly. I was a non-stop eater. And I thought everybody did that. But you know what? I never looked at anybody else because I came in. I was the general manager of the universe. I knew how to do everything. And just ask me and I'll tell you. And if you don't ask me, I'm going to tell you anyway. And you're going to do it my way. Or if you don't do it my way, you're not going to be my friend. Uh I think you can all figure out how many friends I had at the end of that period of my life. Uh, There weren't many. And... Gratefully, I've had a few that have stuck by me, but there are not a lot. Um, the way I found out about Overeaters Anonymous, uh, one of my dearest friends, who was a soulmate of mine, was a binge buddy of mine. We carried on like two crazy people, and we had a blast. And she found Overeaters Anonymous, and she lost 150 pounds. I was not impressed. As a matter of fact, I was damn well pissed off because we used to be a certain way and we weren't that way anymore, but I did notice one thing. She had a glint in her eye. She had a peacefulness about her. She had the same crap going on in her life that she had before she found program. She had the same horrible financial circumstances, and she was calm, peaceful, smiling, and happy to be alive, and that's what I wanted. I came for the sanity and stayed for the vanity. My weight loss hasn't been that great. I didn't have that much to lose. At one point, I lost 35 pounds, and it was back in the in the late 80s and early 90s, and some of my gay friends were taking me to the hospital because they thought I had contracted AIDS. And I hadn't. I was just trying to get down to my goal weight, which I have been at for about two weeks. And I look like a skeleton. But that number in my head was what I wanted, and that's what I went after. And uh, I didn't realize that that was not healthy. Today, I'm very grateful that I'm at a healthy weight. And how do I know that? Because I trust other people. I listen to my doctor. First of all, I never went to a doctor because I was young and dumb and stupid. No, not really. I was really more, I really thought I knew it all, and I thought I was doing fine. So I didn't go to a doctor. I didn't get that sick. Once I started going to a doctor for these things called annual physical checkups, uh, I found out I am really on track. And now I've learned how to listen to other people. When I came in, um, right after I came in, I was only in program about two years. My father passed away. Um, as much as most of the people in the program talk about their being picked on as children for being obese or being heavy, I was picked on for being gay, and I didn't know I was gay, but I was picked on mercilessly because I wasn't a good student and I wasn't an athlete and in the fifties and the sixties, if you're in school and you're a boy and you're not physically adept or you're I didn't even want to play sports and and you're not a good student, you're a sissy and so I had a reputation. Little did they know, little did I know, that it turned out to be true, but it was very hurtful. Um, the only friend I had was the food, and so I came in here, and I learned how to eat. Uh, oh, but my my dad passed away, and, and in my religious tradition, I was sequestered with my family, who I did not get along with, um, and, and for a week in the house, And I was abstaining, and I was Mr. Hipslick and cool, and I followed my food plan, and everything was great, and everything was wonderful. And uh, my parents lived in Florida at the time, and I lived in Los Angeles, and I came back to Los Angeles, and within a short period of time, I lost my accidents. And I could not imagine why. And I wrecked my brain. And I thought, well, it's because Dad died. When he died, we weren't having a good relationship, and we were working on a relationship, and he went too soon. Bullshit. And I came up with every reason under the book, under the sun, until one day it finally dawned on me. The reason I lost my accidents is I had not increased my spiritual path. As long as I worked a food plan, I could lose weight. It's called a diet. I've done it many times. But if I wanted to keep the weight off, I needed a way of living. And that's what you guys have given to me. You guys taught me how to be a son, how to be a brother, how to be an employee, how to be a friend. I didn't know how to do it any other way. And the only way I knew how to do it was to follow you guys. You know, it's like uh, walking in the snow. I just walked in the footprints that you guys made in front of me. And I, and those footprints were not always made by people that had been in longer than I was. They were just made by people that had what I wanted. I came, I will never forget, I started going to Serenity Sunday, and I had heard all these horror stories about no one gets called on and you can't do anything, but that's where the best recovery is. So I went there for a whole year. I sat there and never raised my hand, but I absorbed everything you guys had to say. I focused totally On the speakers, I focused on the pitches. I focused on what was going on. So I was up there, 36, 96, I was up there five times to get a chip. That was it. And I wouldn't allow myself to raise my hand because I wanted to learn. Because you guys had the answers, and you still do. You guys have taught me how to live a life. You also taught me how to ask questions. You also taught me how to listen to the answers and to be one of, not in charge, I'm not the top, I'm not the bottom, nowhere in between. The way I see it is we stand shoulder to shoulder and we grasp hands and we walk together. And that's how I do it. And the way I stay absent today is the way I've been staying absent for the last 28 years. I start my day in prayer and meditation. If I don't start in prayer and meditation, my day is not as good as it could be. doesn't mean it's a terrible day. I don't go from zero to 60, but I do not have as good a day as the days that I spend in prayer and meditation. Every morning for the last 25 years, these two books, they've been with me. You see all the tabs? Those are the pages that are important to me at any given time. This morning, we talked about prayer in the For Today book. And I go, yeah, that's that's about right, because that's what I do. And that takes me about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes to pray, meditate, and do the writing that I'm doing for my sponsor. And, you know, now I'm retired, thank God, so I don't have to do it anymore. But when I was working, I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning so that I could pray and meditate before I went to work. And I was working two jobs, and I'd get home at 11 o'clock at night, go to sleep, get up and repeat. And a friend uh, who was living with me for a while said, I don't believe that you're operating on four hours or three hours or five hours of sleep. I said, that's what I got to do. It's not an option. If I don't pray and meditate, all the food plan in the world don't mean a thing. If I don't make phone calls, if I don't go to meetings. So I was living with a boyfriend for a while and he said, you're going to a meeting on a Saturday morning? I said, yeah, because I work at night and I can't get to my meetings at night and I have to go. And I do what I have to do to stay absent, to stay sane. So what does staying sane mean? Staying sane means that I'm a 71 year old gay man who lives around a bunch of people that, you know, we have this thing called COVID living by myself. It's not always easy. There are times I'm crawling the walls, but you know what? I've, I've learned you have a problem, turn to my higher power. I talked to God. I talked to God all day. I was out today. I found a parking spot. Thank you, God, for a spot close to the door. I went to a store. It wasn't crowded. Thank you, God. I could get in and get out. I didn't have to wait on lines. I didn't have to bustle through people. I thank God every step of my day because the more I turn my will and my life over to my higher power, the more my higher power will guide me. I firmly believe that if I don't open the door, my higher power can't come in. My higher power is not going to help me unless I ask for it. I have to ask for the assistance that I need. And that's always been hard because I was brought up to believe if you're, especially if you're a, a, a Jewish man from New York, my God, a triple curse, you, you can do it. You can do it. You just pull, up, you know, put on your big boy pants and do it. You study hard, you do it. And guess what? I couldn't. I really couldn't. And so I had to come here and learn how to do it. Is it the way I would like it to be? I don't have any dreams or aspirations about that anymore. I leave it up to my higher power. Whatever is there is there. If I have a question, I ask my higher power. Is this really, what you want me to do? Okay, and I do it. So I abstain, and I get up and I pray and meditate. And, yeah, there are mornings I get up early to do things to be of community service that I can still do even with COVID. Get up a little bit earlier, pray and meditate, turn it over, write, read, go to meetings. This is my second meeting today. I'm at seven meetings a week. And I think maybe after 32 years, I don't have to go to as many meetings. For crying out loud, I'm going to more meetings in COVID than I did when there wasn't COVID. Number one, there's Zoom and I can get to more meetings. And and I get to be with all, all my folks in L.A. And number two, what else have I got to do? Go to the kitchen? I'm a proud owner of a very full cupboard. My cupboard is full, it's overflowing, and I still eat my three moderate meals a day with nothing in between, and I avoid my binge foods. Well, my binge foods won't be in the house, but portions will be, and I can eat two portions, who's going to know? My higher power's going to know, I'm going to know, and I'm not going to do that, because that would be the first step for me on the road to insanity. I ask my higher power every day, what do I need to do next? Okay, God, what's next? Okay, God, what do I do now? Okay, God, what do I do now? I have a to-do list. We all have to-do lists. We all have to-do lists. Well, I can't speak for you. I have a to-do list that's longer than my arm. And I just cross things off. And it's not, I don't do them in the order that's on the list. Because I look at the list and I say, okay, God, what do I do next? If number 17 is next, that's what I do. I listen to my higher power. I've learned I don't know at all. And I've also learned I don't know enough, and that there's still more to learn. And yeah, that's why I'm at seven meetings a week because I learn something at every meeting I go to. I get a gem from some someone in some place, and I don't say it's so and so with so many years. I say it's so and so. I learned this from so and so. I don't care how long you've been here. If you've been here two weeks and you have something to say, for crying out loud, say it, because Carl, three minutes left. Thank you. Because I learned here, unconditional love. You guys loved me, whether I was abstaining or not. You guys loved me if I was late to a meeting. You guys loved me if I didn't come to a meeting for a week or two. You always loved me. In my family, I never knew that. I think they were broadcasting their love on AM and I was receiving on FM. If you've ever tried to do that, all you get is a lot of static. And so I have a relationship today with my kid sister, who I didn't talk to 50. Well, I think we're down to 40. We didn't talk for close to 40 years. That's four zero years. We did not talk. We lived in the same house. We studied the same things. We had the same interests, and we still didn't talk. We didn't get along. Today, she's one of my best friends, and one of my greatest griefs about this COVID is that we're not getting to spend each other's birthdays with each other. We usually fly back and forth. She lives in Berkeley, California. I haven't seen her in over a year. We cry about it. I never would have thought that that would would take place in my life. I never thought that I would have a relationship with my brother, who I shared a room with for the first 15 years of my life, and we fought incessantly. I'm talking fisticuffs, not verbal fisticuffs. And we have a relationship. I never thought I could have had it, but I have all of that because of you. If I hadn't known to come to Overeaters Anonymous, if I hadn't come to Overeaters Anonymous, those jobs that I lost, I probably would have eaten over and done a lot worse over. Those relationships that ended, I would have eaten over and done a lot worse over. I don't know what I would have done. I cannot project, and I don't choose to. I just know that I'm grateful beyond words that I found you guys and I'm grateful that you're all still here and I'm grateful that we all keep coming back because we know that's the solution. The solution is just being here and showing up for one another and being good friends to each other and picking up that phone when we call and calling. It's all of us together. And so I could not agree more with the first word of the first step. We. Not me, not I, not them, we. We're all in it together. And, uh, when I first came into program, I visited my folks and I took the card because I had to go to an OA meeting in another town. And my dad said, when's, when's your last, you know, when do you think you're going to be done with those meetings? I said, God willing, my last meeting will be at my funeral. Cause they say whenever there are two or more of us, there's a meeting. And God willing, no matter where I am, there will be at least two OA members that can come to my funeral and be with me so that one more time I don't have to be alone with my disease. Thanks for letting me share.